I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me is Corey Gross, co-founder and chief executive officer of Sensible. We're talking about data and an increasing reliance on SKU-level data to strengthen personalization. This is something banks need to be paying attention to, but other people are doing it first. For example, last fall, the Amazon Shopper panel was launched. It's a program that pays customers for uploading receipts from outside retailers. What does Amazon, first of all, get out of doing that? And how does that translate into something banks should be considering? Amazon's doing this because, as most people know, they they probably have the largest catalog of products and ultimately customer purchase information of any retailer in the world, indeed, probably any company in the world. But what they don't understand is what customers are buying and where they're buying outside the walls of Amazon's digital storefront. And so what Amazon is incentivizing customers to do is tell them exactly that. It is a shopper panel. It is designed to understand when Corey goes to shop for groceries, where is he shopping and what is he buying? So that perhaps now that Amazon owns a grocery store inside the walls of its of its business now, it can incentivize you to shop for groceries on Amazon instead of your traditional brick and mortar grocer. So what they're learning is uh, what your behavior looks like outside of Amazon so they can incentivize you to ship that spend to Amazon. Okay, I get that for a retailer. How does this usefulness of capturing outside spend translate into the financial services arena? Yeah, so if you think about something, first if I abstract SKU level data, first to spend level data, which is where customers or what what payment cards, what other forms of uh, method of payment are customers uh, using, uh, that's always been interesting for financial institutions. They're looking for other financial institutions spend, off-card spend. And that kind of helps with a similar use case. So if I'm a Chase Sapphire cardholder, where am I spending on my Chase cards? I'll know that if I'm JP Morgan Chase. But if I have an American Express card, if I have a Bank of America MasterCard, uh, where am I spending there? And so that information would be helpful to me as JP Morgan so I can incentivize customers to shift that spend onto JP Morgan's cards. Now, if I take this a level deeper to the SKU level data, I can see where to shift spend at a product level. So if I see that people are spending on their American Express cards because they want product assurance and purchase protection and extended warranty protection as a card benefit that American Express is offering customers when they purchase you know, big screen TVs and other big ticket items, I might be able to now use that data to say, hey, don't worry about using your uh, American Express card for those hefty purchases. You can use your Chase Sapphire card because we offer those same or better card benefits. So by getting to that greater depth of data, you're not just looking to shift spend just merely from the where the customer might be shopping on competitor cards or using uh, different payment types. You're shifting spend at the product level. And so that's how it translates from the Amazon case to maybe the FI case. That's maybe how it translates, but also what I guess we could say that somebody like Amazon is doing is also building an internal case for them to say, well, actually, we can offer those financial products as well. Well, that's right. I mean, that's the next layer. You know, the the thing that Amazon quietly did a couple of years back was, number one, they were issuing loans to their marketplace sellers and effectively became a fintech in that way. And then the next thing they did was they partnered with American Express to issue a business credit card. 
And what that was going to be doing is taking all of those sellers that wanted to be able to track their supply, their inventory, and you'd have to be able to do that at an item level, they offered that capability to their customers out of the box. So as long as you were doing your spending, you're capturing your your uh, expense spend through the Amazon small business card, uh, you'd be able to track all of that data. And they would, of course, use that data to find ways and incentives for you to continue buying those products or similar bo- products on Amazon and not buying office supplies from places like Staples or Office Depot or Costco. So absolutely, it's a uh, catalyst for financial services products. Um, and that's already rooted in the fact that they've already started to do that. Well, looking at it from the point of view of the banks, is what we've been talking about so far, is this what we label alternative data or is there something else that banks have that they need to leverage to improve their relationships with customers, with potential customers? So I I think historically it has been seen as alternative data because it's data that they would have to partner with third parties in a way of capturing so, you know, we know that there have historically been relationships between Visa, MasterCard, American Express, and certain travel merchants where they'd be able to capture uh, the detail of customers' purchases in the lodging and travel industry and expose that back to the financial institution so that they might be able to specifically offer them more tailored rewards in that area because travel rewards and loyalty is such a big part of the financial uh, institution's uh, rewards and loyalty strategy. I think that. Outside of skew level data, what banks have historically relied on is transactions, channel usage, demographics. Those, I think, have become more or less homogenized over time. Uh, they don't offer any unique insight into customer profiles, behaviors, lifestyles, uh, needs. And so that's why his, uh, financial institutions have turned to partnering with loyalty like data providers. Epsilon, they've looked at finding alternative fintech partners in the Uh, in the personal financial management space as a way of understanding sentiment, as a way of understanding goals, some more qualitative information, which is alternative data, so that they might be able to serve customers at a more personal level, one-to-one level. But I think fundamentally, when you talk about separating the needs and goals and lifestyle choices of one person from another, you need to see what they're buying, right? Because most people's goals are going to look awful similar. There will be some divergence, of course, Uh, Life stages may uh, come at at different times from customer to customer, but everyone is looking to plan for retirement. Most people want to be able to afford a home. Uh, Most people are looking to have a nest egg or are saving for their children's financial future. Um, What we want to get to in in today's financial services uh, market, as far as personalization is concerned, is understand what customers are more sensitive to products because it relates to a cause that they're passionate about. Uh, Which customers are looking to forego the traditional path of buying a home and instead are looking to become a wanderlust and travel the world? And how might you enable them to live their best financial life? More and more people these days are concerned about their own financial wellness because this generation is not going to be as well off as the ones before. So how are we able to serve them in non-traditional ways? And that's understanding uh, more depth of data around their purchases. And somebody is going to do this. It may not be the banks or, or what we might consider traditional financial institutions, but somebody's going to do this because the banks are going to be busy eating each other's lunch and eating each other and big techs looming over them. Are these financial institutions an endangered species? 
I think that's always the, the 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 topic that comes up on panels is that you know the end of traditional banking. But I think that you know the thing about big banks in particular, but even you know credit unions and community banks is yes, there's consolidation in the market that tends to happen, but they're very resilient because they're trusted. And still, if you look at all the latest polls, people trust their financial institution um, more than they do big tech uh, when it comes to certain aspects of managing their financial life. I think that. The gap is being bridged as it relates to brand trust um, because of the ever presence of Amazon and Apple and Google and Facebook as it relates to people's everyday life. Uh, during the pandemic, uh, banks were becoming popular for sometimes the wrong reasons around PPP, while Amazon was you know, giving money away to people who were struggling from the pandemic. And uh, the same thing goes for big tech companies like Shopify that were helping people through a very turbulent um, financial period. But still, you know, uh, when it look when you look at satisfaction, when you look at sort of the engagement that people see in the digital domain, the big banks uh, do fine. I think that they are going to be adopting what works in the big tech realm, namely uh, leveraging alternative data for personalization. Uh, and and I think that you know that they're gonna they're they're already doing this in their journey to become a more uh, long term financial partner, not just financial services provider to customers. No doubt that fintech like venture backed fintechs like Chime uh, and others have a leg up in that department because their entire reason for being was creating more personal and more one to one financial experiences. But it's definitely a lesson, and it's definitely something that the financial institutions, the incumbents have learned and are learning and implementing. Corey Gross, co-founder and CEO of Sensible, thank you very much.